This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend. The end of our elaborate plans. The end of everything that stands. The end. No safety or surprise the end I'll never look into your eyes again Wake up, wake up, wake up, 502! What is going down? And we made it! We finally made it! We are here! The next time you hear my voice, there will be no more Louisville basketball for the 2022-2023 season. Our long suffering has ended or will be ending very, very soon. Oh, I know y'all was listening like, where is he going with this music this morning? But man, I felt like it was the perfect song (laughs) to get us going this morning welcome in this is 96.1 fm the big x sports radio wxvw your boy rashawn myers here soon to be joined by the architect himself mr haven harrington possibly to be joined a little bit later on by the man himself at that boy's good mr joe kelly this is wake up 502 and we have so many things to get into uh you know as we talked about university of louisville's last regular season game this afternoon 2 p.m on the road in charlottesville at the university of virginia uh and then of course the university of louisville ladies uh on the road uh in greensboro uh semifinal matchup of the acc tournament taking on once again notre dame hopefully third time's the charm we'll see what happens with that 
We have so many things going on. The Lamar Jackson drama continues. Very interesting there. We have the NFL Combine. Have some Louisville Cardinals making some money there. So that's exciting. Malik Cunningham gets his uh, you know, gets to his opportunity uh, to do some things uh, this uh, this afternoon as well. So we'll be interested to see what he says um, during that uh, and see how he does. He's going to throw and run today, I believe. So uh, I want to see the 40 time. I want to see how he throws the ball. He had a great, great senior bowl. So we're going to talk about that. I want to get Haven Harrington's thoughts. Uh, on the uh, future of Malik Cunningham, I know that there's a couple of uh, couple of guys on the defensive side that made some money, uh, at, you know, th- this week. So I-, I feel like those guys are good to go. The big question mark is Malik Cunningham and where he fits into that. Um, I definitely want to ask Haven Harrington about that. And then, of course, uh, you know, as-, as we continue to look at the ever-changing landscape of the NBA, I, I want to talk about that and some of the. Very interesting dialogue around Kevin Durant as he starts his journey with the Phoenix Suns, uh, and and my my thoughts on that. I have I have a lot of thoughts this morning, y'all. Like there's a lot going on in there. Uh, but you know, of course, um, got to get started uh, with University of Louisville basketball just because this I, I want to give everybody, and I don't care what side of the aisle you stand on and of course if you want to get involved with anything going on on the show this morning 502-414-1450 is always the best way to get involved that is the thorntons text line uh big shout out to thorntons make sure you check out any of the 68,345 area local thorntons locations for all the best in gas and grub and, you know, a little stuff on, on, on a heater rotating, on, looking all good and glistening. Uh, so if you want donuts, if you want, uh, you know, need a little coffee, a little pick-me-up, if you want slushies, they have all those things covered for you. So make sure you check out Thornton's. But the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450, is the best way um, to get this thing involved. Uh, as well, uh, you have the opportunity to get with us on the phone line as well, 502 384 that is the wake up to, uh, 502 buzz line 502-384-1450. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, you guys were super interactive last week. Uh, definitely want you to continue to be interactive this week, even though Haven's going to be back in here flapping his gums after uh, taking the week off uh, last week. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely want to get a But Now, hold on. I already got a text. It is 906. Um you know, we, we <laughs> uh, the people are already. I, you know what? I appreciate the fact they says the tune in app sucks. <laughs> Wake up five oh two is a two hour show, but the commercials are an hour and forty five minutes. <laughs> Come on, you can't be talking about tuning. Hey, at least the the thing about you know what the beautiful thing is about the tune in app and, and and all of these listening platforms. Um, but you know the the, the tune in app broadcast my beautiful voice all over the world so you know you can pull up that tune in app from anywhere in the world where there is inter, uh, you know internet data streaming across the you know the uh, the airwaves you can pull that up you know with your data plan of course and listen to me talking. So, yes, now TuneIn app isn't, isn't always the best. And if you're listening on the TuneIn app, after 30 minutes, it automatically flies into commercials, whether the show you're listening to actually goes commercials or not, which definitely does suck. Uh, but, you know, it does help me out. So I can't talk bad about the TuneIn app, people. But uh, I can definitely understand that it gets a little annoying from time to time. Um, but, no, no, as I was saying, man, like, 
I am very, very happy slash tired slash exhausted slash exasperated when it when I come when I think about the fact that this is the last regular season game, University of Louisville basketball is on the cusp of history history. Did you all know that? Like they are lit like I know that we've talked about how quote unquote historically bad this Louisville team has been for a Louisville basketball program. But let me tell you guys the the history that Louisville is on the cusp of. If Louisville does go ahead and lose on the road at Charlottesville today, which um, I, I, I know I don't want to spoil my thoughts and my picks for the end of the show, but I'm just going to give you a hint. <laughs> Virginia's going to win today. <laughs> I just it's, – it's, it's, I, I think I'm, I can call this one a little early. <laughs> but uh, if Louisville does, in fact, go, uh, go ahead and lose this game, as I expect that they are going to, I, I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully they can – uh, find a way to to put a a shock into Tony Bennett and those guys on the road in Charlottesville. I likely don't see that happening. But if they do go on to lose the game today, and then they would be they are already locked into a matchup with the 10th seed Boston College at the ACC tournament, which will begin on Tuesday. Which Louisville would be playing on Tuesday at 4:30. They will be playing Tuesday at 4:30 p.m. Um, Louisville will finish. If they lose these next two games, as they are projected to lose both of them, they would, you know, regardless, though, they'll, they'll fin- they will actually, no, yeah, I'm correct. If they lose both, they will set two records. A, the most losses by a Power Six team, which the Power Six is, of course, your traditional Power Five teams, which are the Pac 12, uh, the uh, Big Ten, the ACC, the SEC. Uh, and the the Big 12, okay, as well as the Big East Conference. So in your Power Six conferences, University of Louisville will will break a record for most losses by a team from one of those conferences, and they will also set a record for the least amount of wins from by a team in that conference. Okay, with four wins, if they finish with four wins and twenty nine uh, twenty eight losses. They will literally set the record for both the the most losses and least wins in a single season. So by the record, <laughs> they will have the worst record of any team ever to come from a power conference. So I don't know if you, if you want to bust out the champagne if that happens. I don't know if you want to bust out the champagne if that does not happen and they just tie the record and win one of these last couple of games. But that is the record that we are looking at. So, you know, I do have to at least say if, if we were going to be bad, we wanted to make sure we're sure we were literally the worst of all time, literally. Uh, there have been teams that have gone winless in conference. Okay, there was a Baylor team that went winless in conference um, back several years ago um you know long time ago uh there's been some other teams that have been pretty bad i think pittsburgh was owen 16 in in conference in uh an acc a few years 2016 i believe that was um but the difference between those two teams were they at least won uh you know five or six game non-conference games so they still ended up with an overall record better than louisville's now they didn't have a conference win louisville does have a couple couple of conference wins there so if there are people that that you know are out there um supportive of what's going on then at least you can hang your hat on that well at least we didn't go um winless in conference hey if that's the smack talk that you want to take 
You, you can be my guest. But one way or the other, no way to shake it. Louisville will go down in history as one of the worst, if not the worst, power six team of all time, which is just unbelievable that we are here um, in year one of Kenny Payne. It is unbelievable that we are here at the University of Louisville. Um, but, you know, I mean, that it's, it's, uh, it's a day to be both celebratory and a day to be sorrowful because at least we won't have to deal with this anymore. And we will find out what direction we're going in next. And I think that has been the mindset that we've all been in for more than, you know, almost a month and a half. I, I want to say the die was cast on this one. I know that we had the big – I say I say the big win. Um, you know, we had the, the win over WKU, which got everybody a little bit excited that we coupled with the victory over Florida A&M. And then we had this brief, brief um, kind of step up in play that resulted in a victory over Georgia Tech and then, you know, we come back, what, a couple games later and have a victory at home over Clemson. A lot of people, my dad included, Mr. Mr. Sunshine Rainbows over there, uh, you know, said, you know what, I was almost off the train, but now I'm back. Well, <laughs> then Louisville proceeded to do exactly what I figured they'd do, unfortunately, and that was lose all the rest of their games the rest of the way out. So um, everybody's just ready to get this season over with and on. All I've heard about is, you know, got to turn over the roster, got to turn over the roster. I heard this guy's coming. I heard that guy's coming. Um, so so we are very much in the same mentality and mindset and mode that we were, uh, frankly, uh, this time last year. I mean, we, we are right back where we started in terms of, wow, what a terrible season. What do we need to do to quickly turn this thing around? And basically every player, you know, there's already been mention of recruits uh, that have requested decommitments. Of course, the most popular one of those right now uh, is the uh, seven foot one center, which has requested his release from his natural letter of intent from the University of Minnesota, Dennis Evans. Um, Louisville has been strongly, strongly linked with him. Uh, he is already um, very, very popular in terms of getting projections. I believe he has four or five projections right now uh, to join Kenny Payne and the University of Louisville. Uh, <laughs> there was one national guy who was talking about this recruitment, and he basically said, all I can say is this, money talks, <laughs> which is very interesting and very funny um, that, you know, that's <laughs> that's the that's the stance and that's the words behind it because, you know, we've heard all the conversations about um, Kenny Payne talking about nobody is going to come to this program because, because of NIL. And I am not, I don't want to talk to people about NIL and and, you know, you're not going to come to this school because of NIL. Well, of course. After the harsh realities of life settled in on, on Coach, um, that tune has definitely changed. Now he f definitely believes kids need to be paid. And he also said, you know, he doesn't want the NIL to be the only reason that kids come to Louisville. And, you know, he's, he's, he's saying all those things now. So that that's kind of where we are, where he's at least that tune has changed greatly from uh, – the start. Mr. Haven Harrington, well, welcome to the building, my brother. Welcome, welcome. Man, I've been li listening to you pontificate on and on and on. We're at the end, Haven. And on. We are here. About senior pain. I'm excited. I'm excited. Like, this is a happy day. Like, this is a day of celebrations. Kind of, you know how, like, when they have funerals in New Orleans? 
how it's like a party. Like, everybody's sad because the person's passed away, but they throw a party for it. You know what? Like, this is what this is. There's this famous line. This is a jazz funeral. There's this famous line in an 80s comedy movie called Meatballs. Okay. With Bill Murray about a summer camp. And they're going against the arch-rival summer camp. Yes. That's bigger, stronger, and faster. And they want to beat beat them in summer camp. So they're doing all the, the hot dog eating. And it all comes down to, like, this last race. Yes. And they're trying to hype the kid up because he's nervous. And it was like, win or lose, you know what? It just doesn't matter. And they chant that over and over and over again. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> so the, these next two games, they just doesn't matter. Yes, yeah, and that's exactly my point. It's like This is all about now. Yeah. What happens next? Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, we've already solidified that Louisville's going to go down as one of the worst teams ever. Uh, they already have. You know, yeah. So, so I mean, that's done. According so. to Kim Palm, they already are. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> Kim Palm already has us ranked as the worst team ever in the history of Power Six. Wow. Now we're just going to solidify that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not even about the games. Like with, it, with, with everybody else's record. Now it's about. Well, if, if you listen to other. A local analyst. Yes. It's about we have to flip the roster because we don't have any talent. Regardless, most of these guys are four-star players. So don't worry about that. We don't have any talent. Yeah. I, I actually, I just posted a tweet yesterday uh, where College Basketball Network, one of the uh, the wonderful uh, Twitter sites around, uh, national, it's a na- national Twitter sites, uh, wrote or actually put a tweet out about the 25, the, the 25, the 25 teams with the most uh, – Top 100 players on the roster, and Louisville came in on that uh, on that tweet at 15th. There are only 14 teams that have more top 100 players on their roster this year than the University of Louisville. So just for for the people that that say that <laughs> there's just no talent on the roster at all. Yeah. So so we have to flip the roster because we don't have any talent on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. These guys just for whatever reason they didn't buy into what Mac was doing. They didn't buy into what Pegues was doing. They didn't buy into what Ross McMains were doing, and now they're not buying into what Kenny's doing. So these guys are just lazy. Uh, no, they don't good. know what they're doing. They're, <laughs> they're malcontents, and they all should go. Maybe except for maybe three or four of them. We need to add the center because he's a shot blocking presence, and he'll be able to give us something that we haven't had in middle in a while, which is is a a strong presence, a a guy that can shot blocks and deter guys from driving in a lane. And then we're going to add some guards. We've got the junior college guy who's six foot six, who's averaging 25 points a game in his church league coming in. <laughs> so, but now we need to add a lot more four and five star guys. And once we get that talent in here and these guys buy into what Kenny's doing, then, you know, we're going to see a big turnaround. And by big turnaround, you know, most of the, the people I listen to and have read here locally, that's, what, 15 games? It better not be 15 games. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. like. It better not be 15 <laughs> games. You know, it's like 15 games in year three, you know, we can make the tournament. Because if, if, if you're at 15 games, that means you're at 15 and 16 going into the ACC tournament. If you're 15 and 16 going into the ACC tournament, you're not on the bubble. <laughs> that's a, you know. Hey, we can get an invite to the uh, to the uh, NIT if we get a win or two. <laughs> well, you know what? But 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 that would be but that would show an improvement. 
that would show the team is getting better. That would show the team is is building that winning culture. Oh yeah. Oh no. There, there's definitely a sect of either you know I don't know if you want to just say media members that are in certain corners. If it is the people that are very supportive and backing of the current uh, coaching staff. But yeah, like a, a, there are some people that are setting it up. I know Tim, Tim Sullivan has written that article. I know that uh, Rick Bozich has written that article saying that wow, you know if you look at how bad it was this year. Then you know if the team can find a way to get to fourteen or fifteen wins next year, that's a market improvement. Yeah, it, it would be. <laughs> it would be a, a market improvement. It, then, it would make, and then you know, in year three, you know, we can make it to the to the tournament. Yeah, that's that. That's that's what I've heard. And if I'm just being honest here for a second, yes, uh, please. That's horrible. <laughs> I mean. You look at the roster now, and I know people say we don't have the right type of talent. We don't have the talent on the roster, but I've said this all season long. Like I, I honestly believe there is enough talent on this roster right now to be a tournament team. Like this should this should be a tournament team. You have that kind of talent on the roster right now to be a, a tournament team. Well, this this the, that expectation that you just talked about for next year that people are saying they should have, that's literally what the expectation was for this year. But because it was such a horrible failure, now we're basically just going to say, well, let's just say that this year has just been – it's like an extra year for Chris Mack, and this isn't really Kenny Payne's first year because all this is Chris Mack's fault <laughs> and these players just being terrible. So this year doesn't really fall on Kenny Payne. I know that all the wins and losses go on his record, but it's not really his fault because it's really just these players. He was put in an unwinnable, untenable, un – you know – enviable situation. So you know, none people, of it's And people fault. always like to bring up the fact that, you know, when Patino first took over Kentucky, when they came off sanctions, you know, he won like three or four games or something like that. You know, it's like, so, you know, we had to cut Kenny some slack. Cut him some slack, man. In which I have to reiterate, you know what? That may be kind of true that, yeah, Rick kind of suffered that first year. I mean, Rick Pitino took over at Kentucky his first year with the Unforgettables and won 15 games. But I'm like, but to me, <laughs> but I'm like. But, with but, Richie Farmer and a bunch of walk-on nobodies. But I'm like, but to me, the difference is, like, that's before the transfer portal. Like, that's before you can literally go out. No, no, Haven, he still didn't do nearly as bad as as. Kenny Payne. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like that team is literally one of the favorite teams of Kentucky history. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm just like, listen, <laughs> there's no this comparison. Is literally, the worst coaching job in the history of college basketball ever. I said it. Yes, I said. It. You can quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, going out on a limb there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> literally, the worst coaching job in the history of college basketball. Now, you know, I know, well, maybe, maybe not the worst. It's the time that Prairie A&M lost, like, every game for, like, a year and a half. Well, power, but like I said, power six teams. They, they, but, they, they but, are. Yeah, but, 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 but if we go power six, if they, if they are, the worst they are either the worst ever or the second worst ever. Like I said, there was one, like, people talk about that Pittsburgh team because that Pittsburgh team that went 0-17 uh, or 0-18 in the conference, they didn't win a conference game. 
And Louisville at least has won a couple of conference games. So, I, like I said, it's like mincing words because it's like, well, Louisville has a worse record than that. Pit- is going to end up with a worse record than that Pittsburgh team. But that Pittsburgh team didn't win a conference game. Yeah, but they won other games. But, uh, they won other games. And this is like literally and, the worst ACC ever. This and, is the worst that the ACC conference has ever been. And, and, and they were able to beat up the bums <laughs> on their schedule. Yeah. And they didn't have as many 20-point-plus losses. True. So, there's also that. But but you know it, it is and this and that team didn't get out rebounded by a team they had an average of like five inches over. No. Like state, I'm talking about you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just saying. I mean, it's just you know I understand that you have to give Kenny another year because there's a ten million dollar buyout. I get you don't know, the optics of firing a coach after one season. I, I, I get especially an that. alumni former former alumni. Yeah, you know whatever. You, He's, yeah, it's absolutely going to be another year. You already know how, how I feel about that. Yes. But that's just me. So, uh, yeah, you know what? It, it, it is It is what it is. It, know, and, and, and people who say, well, Haven, I don't think you would know what you were doing about if you were, uh, you know, if you were the AD, I don't think you'd be feeling the same way. Now, I've been a gym of a professional football team before, so I, I do kind of have at least a little bit of experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I tell you what, Haven, like the, the, the one interesting thing before we had, uh, get ready to head to break, um, I just want to tell Louisville fans this, is that for those people that say Kenny Payne didn't have any chance to do anything, this was the roster he was left with, Kenny Payne took the job on March 15th. Okay. Well, he accepted the he job. He accepted the job on March 15th. He now, didn't he did, get here. He decided to stay in New York an additional two weeks and didn't get to Louisville until, uh, you know, dang near the end of March. Okay, that was his decision. That's first of all. But, okay, Kenny Payne took over uh, March 15th. So at any point at the, that moving forward from that point, he could have hired his full staff. He could have hit the ground running with recruiting. Instead, he decided to wait two and a half months to be able to hire his full coaching staff so he didn't have coaches on the road recruiting immediately he did not have he didn't he decided to not go out there and shake every bush only wanting to focus on the elite prospects Kenny made all those decisions there was a coach at Louisville Haven that took over a Louisville program two weeks before the season started there was a coach at Louisville that watched that recruiting class because the coach got fired completely fall apart uh, losing every McDonald's All-American level player, guys like Anthony Simons, who is a borderline NBA All-Star, uh, Courtney Ramey, who's, who was a th- three-year star at the University of Texas and became one of the hottest prospects in the transfer portal this year, last year. Um, there was a guy that took over a roster that only returned three guys that got any meaningful minutes on the previous team, uh, including a fourth-year uh, point guard. Uh, and, and a decent big man in an honest Mahmoud, but a guy who never averaged more than five points per game at Louisville before that year. Um, there was a guy who took over in those situations with about seven, seven, uh, seven scholarship guys that were non-freshmen. Um, you know, there was a guy who did that. His name was David Padgett. He didn't have an opportunity to do anything. He, you want to talk about a cloud, you want to talk about recruiting, he could not even get into a player's living room that first year. So he was thankful that he was able to hold on to the couple of freshmen that decided to stick with the program, guys like Jordan Wara, who really didn't get the opportunity to play much that first year, a guy like Darius Perry, who really didn't get to play much that first year. Um, Louisville was basically leaning, there, leaning on a guy like V.J. King, and we remember everybody hated V.J. King because of how bad he was here. 
So, you know, those are the guys he was leaning on. He was leaning on a guy like Dingadell who, you know, decided on a night-to-night basis if he wanted to play or not. Um, the only guy who really came to bring it every day was Ray Spalding and Quentin Snyder. Guess what that coach, whose name, of course, David Padgett, did in those unenviable circumstances, Haven? You know what he did? What did he do? He won 22 games in a very, very similar position, at least at the starting gate in terms of what he had to work with. But the difference between what David Padgett had, who didn't have an opportunity to recruit at all, who had never been a head coach before, who had only been coaching for about three years at all as far as an assistant or doing anything, that guy won 22 games, went 22-14, and 14, and should have made the NCAA tournament had they not D- Dingadell not walked inboundsing a ball at the end of the Virginia game. He makes the NCAA tournament. If he just literally does not move his foot when he's in, in, inbounding the ball and just gets the ball inbounds, David Padgett wins 23 games and goes to the NCAA tournament. That didn't happen, but even with all those issues, David Padgett won 22 games. And we're going to sit here with a man who took over a job on March 15th, had a full offseason. He was at the end of the cloud. Not at the beginning of the cloud. This man had to take over at the very beginning, at the biggest, you know, the biggest point where Louisville looked like the worst team on the first face of the earth. Their second straight scandal. Their coach is gone. Their title has been stripped. That guy, under those circumstances, won 22 games. But we're going to talk about this man because he had to take over March 15th and did nothing and try to excuse the fact that he only won four games this year. That is amazing to me. If you want to talk about a coach who didn't have a chance, let's talk about David Padgett. But if you want to talk about a coach who had every opportunity but was completely unprepared and completely uh, ignorant to the fact that NIL was a thing and try to say that none of this is his fault. Crazy. That's ridiculous. It's crazy. you know, And, and you can also... Now, and we said this before, right? Like, even if we didn't want to use the whole David Pageant, uh, I mean, that's like the perfect. That's the perfect, and that's the best one I could come up with. That or LSU, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah LSU. Sure. But I just figure, like, the fact that we had an actual Louisville coach that didn't have an opportunity to do anything. You got Maryland. That's a, that's a great example. Missouri, yeah, yeah absolutely. all coaches who took over scandal-ridden programs. Had a full season, hit hit the portal hard. And I'm not saying, and look, and the thing is, Haven, I'm not saying that this is all his fault. I'm not saying that. Okay, I can say that the players have some culpability in it as well. I think the assistant coaches have some culpability in it as well, either for not stepping up and having more of a voice or, you know, lack of knowledge or lack of experience. I'm not saying that it all falls on just one guy's shoulders, but the people that come across and say and act as if the head coach has nothing to do with where Louisville was as nonchalant as he was getting his staff together, getting on the ground, hitting the ground recruiting. The amount of arrogance, the amount of ignorance, and the amount of blasé attitude that was brought to getting prepared for year one is a huge part of why Louisville is where they are right now. If you go a full semester in college, don't ever crack a book, never study anything, and then you try to cram a whole semester's worth of work into one night before your final, this is what it looks like.
This is what it looks like. This is the results you get. Mm. Honest. I mean, I would I, love to argue with you. <laughs> I'm going to save my arguments for the KD segment of the show. Uh, but right now, you know, I, I think we're just in too much agreement. I mean, I, I've seen, like I said, I, I like to use, like, David Padgett is your analogy. I like to use LSU. LSU had, like, what, two two dudes on the roster, one, one of those guys, and one, one guy. of those guys on the roster was the white dude. We stole the one of their dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Louisville literally stole one of LSU's dudes. Yeah. And, <laughs> Devin and, Reed. And, yeah, and literally, like, that guy on the bench is, like, he was the white dude is there for GPA purposes, the future coach. And that's it. He brought in the guy. He came from uh, – Murray State, you brought up a couple of Murray State players which aren't exactly, uh, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters of basketball. But, you know, he brought some guys from Murray State, hit the transfer portal hard, and there they go. Hey. A very competitive team out the gate. But At one you point in the season, they were 12-8, and 12-4, excuse me. At the end of the day, Haven, this is the end, baby. This, this is the end of this thing. This is the, hey, we can at least celebrate because now, after Tuesday probably, maybe Wednesday, if they can find a way to beat Boston College, possibly, we get to start talking about next year, for real. So, we'll see what happens. You are listening to Wake Up 502 with Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, 96.1 FM, The Big X, and we'll be right back. And all the Welcome back. Second segment of Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers here. Big X Sports Radio, 96.1 FM, 1450 AM as well. Don't forget about them. Uh, we are here for segment number two. Uh, if you liked anything that you heard in that first segment, you want to get your thoughts in, 502-414-1450 uh, is the Thorns text line. Also, you can give us a call, 502-384-1450 as well. Um, uh, you know, we have so many things uh, to get into. Just wanted to give a little thoughts on that. Uh, if you all can't tell, there's a little bit of a theme when it comes to the music this morning that I thought was apropos of the occasion. Uh, but, you know, we have a lot of things, a lot of things to get into. Uh, as we did talk about, um, you know, the, the Lady Cards are on the road in Greensboro today. They were very successful uh, in their victory over the upstart Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Uh, Wake Forest had come off of a upset win. They came back from 19 points down against uh, Florida State, uh, who was the five seed. 
uh, in the ACC tournament. They upset Florida State, and uh, Louisville was having none of that. Haley Van Lith goes off for 16 points in the first quarter. Uh, Louisville ends up, she outscored them herself 16-7 to in that first quarter. Uh, cards win going away uh, 74-48. Um, so Cardinals get that big win. Uh, Jeff Walls uh, avoids the upset. Louisville got upset in the quarterfinals last year uh, by the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, so Haley Van Lith and crew were not looking to repeat that. Uh, so they were able to get that done. Uh, now they face off uh, in the rubber match. Uh, well, not necessarily the rubber match because they're 0-2 uh, versus Notre Dame. They lost both games, lost in overtime up there uh, in South Bend. Then they came back home, lost on senior night to a injured Notre Dame as Olivia Miles, the do-everything All-American uh, point guard for Notre Dame, goes down uh, with the uh, knee injury. She will not be playing in the game today because of said knee injury. So we want to see if Louisville can reverse their fortunes uh, now that they have an opportunity. Sometimes when teams are dealing with an injury like that, everybody kind of steps up and plays a little bit over their head. Um, you know, Citron, the uh, the shooting guard, two guard kind of combo guard for Notre Dame, was outstanding in that game on uh, in in Louisville last week put in 28 points in that victory. So we'll have to see what Louisville can do. Um, Jeff Walls um, has had his troubles getting this team where they need to be. This is not your classic Louisville team. Uh, they came into the game yesterday at 21-9, and nine, uh, which is a lot of losses for a Louisville team. Uh, a lot of – you know, Coach Walls is used to being in that two or three loss a game a year type, or excuse me, a two or three loss a year type season at this point in the year. So for Louisville to be uh, currently at nine losses, um, that's a lot uh, for Louisville. But he definitely has gotten things uh, back on the right track uh, since putting Mikasa Robinson into the starting lineup. Uh, they've only lost a, a couple of times, both of those to Notre Dame, unfortunately. Uh, but Louisville's definitely playing a lot better uh, so we'll have to see if that continues. We'll have to see if they can get this done today um, and try to get back to a big, to a, a big, excuse me, an ACC title. They have not won an ACC title. NC State has basically been running things uh, for the last several years. So uh, they're trying to get back. Uh, they'll have an opportunity to play for a championship if they can find a way to get past Notre Dame today. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see uh, what happens with that. So hopefully they can get it done. Uh, you know, I, I am not. Hi, if you if you follow me on Twitter, <clears throat> that's at R A A S H A A N Rashawn at Rashawn uh, on Twitter. Um, you know that I I am you know of course I love Coach Walls. Um, this team I, I feel has been a bit of a um, step back from what I personally feel uh, the direction that Louisville women's basketball needs to go in. Um, you know they're, they're a very small team. Makasa um, being about five five, Haley Van Lith being around five seven. Um, and CC Carr uh, being right there at about 5'6". They're very, very small when they put their best players on the floor. Um, and I was really hoping for Louisville to kind of start to go in a direction where they could get some bigger uh, bigger wing and, and uh, guard play players out there. Uh, but this has been an extremely small team. And what we've seen from this team is a team that's been very inconsistent offensively because of their lack of size. They have to take a lot 
of difficult shots against the better, more physical teams on their lineup. We saw it against NC State. We've seen it twice against Notre Dame. Uh, you know, we've seen it uh, in, in their non-conference games as well. They just they struggle because of their size, and their size is frankly why Louisville hasn't won a national championship yet, in my personal opinion. It's why South Carolina beat them last year. Um, it's why uh, UConn has beaten them twice in the championship game. I just feel like Louisville plays way too small. It, it kind of bit them in the butt against uh, Mississippi State. Another year they should have won a title now. Granted, they probably should have won the title anyway. Maisha Hines-Allen got fouled um, at the end of that game. They didn't call the foul, but I digress. Um, you know, I, I just I would have liked it to see Louisville at this point uh, in Jeff Wall's tenure having bigger, more physical teams like the best teams in college basketball. When you look at the, classically the Tennessees, the Yukons, uh, the Stanfords, um, they win because they have that classic post size that you don't see on the average uh, women's college basketball roster. And Coach Walls has always kind of been the anti, you know, I'm not going to do it that way. Uh, he's kind of bucked the trend going with the smaller post players and more athletic teams trying to win with defense and quickness. But at the end of the day, Big Bank still takes Little Bank in women's basketball. Uh, you know, the, the men's game has definitely gone to the more smaller, active, quicker uh, types of teams, and you can win like that in men's basketball. Women's basketball is a lot different. You got to have size, you got to have power. If you have that 6'6 post player, that 6'7 post player, you know, you have that 6'4, 6'5 power forward. When you have that, that dual post, it makes you extremely difficult to guard when you couple that with a couple of dynamic guards. I mean, South Carolina, the thing about them, you know, South Carolina's got, you know, 6'1 and 6'2 guards to go along with a, a huge post presence. Uh, in Aaliyah Boston. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it just – he's trying to, to to buck the trend and win, and, and, you know, it's 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 admirable, but I just don't know if Louisville's ever going to get there. But we'll see what happens today. I, I would love to see them finally get that monkey off their back this year and beat Notre Dame. They had beaten Notre Dame, I believe, seven straight times uh, prior to losing these last two this year. Um, so, you know, got, got to get back on the right foot. Uh, but I tell you what, Haven, that, that coach at Notre Dame – uh, you know, Ada, um, I can't think of her last name. She's she's doing a good job over there. She's, yes, she is. She's she's in her second year taking over Muffet McGraw. You know, I, Haven said, "Is that the Notre Dame coach?" Wow, she's great. She is great. <laughs> he he just mentioned how much he appreciates her coaching ability. I'll just say that. <laughs> Says she has some skills. <laughs> I yes, like. I was doing some hip hop phraseology, but yes, <laughs> she has skills. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But Haven, uh, as we mentioned earlier, and I'm glad you're here now. Um, of course, the uh, NFL scouting combine is going down up in Naptown. You have some uh, some Cardinal football guys up there putting on for their squad, putting on for their team. Uh, you know, you have Yaya Diaby. Going out there, second fastest 40 time uh, for uh, any of the edge rushers. Um, you know, Nolan Smith uh, is, is an absolute freak of nature. Uh, he ran a 4.39 as an edge rusher. Um, Yaya didn't do that, but Yaya did run, uh, post a 4.51, which was the second fastest time, which is moving for a man his size. Uh, he measured in, check out these measurements, Haven. Six foot three, two, uh, three, excuse me, 265 pounds, ran a four, five, one forty and had the second best uh, broad jump as well. I think 10.9. 
at that size. You think that man made him some money? I think all the Louisville defensive players <laughs> made them some money. You know, and, and to me, you know, when people talk about, like, do you really need the NFL combine? Isn't it kind of pass save? Don't you have enough footage of these guys playing in regular games that you really don't need to combine in? Things of that nature. Yeah, they have pro days and everything. Yeah, yeah, pro days. We invite scouts in so they can kind of see the, the same thing there. The benefit to me, and, and you can really see this with the, the Louisville's defensive players, right, of the NFL combine is the fact that, one, all the teams are there. Every team in the NFL is present in there. They have somebody there. You're measured against your peers. But more importantly, for guys like Yaya Diabe and Absir Dula, who kind of got who were talented players on the defense that was mostly bad the whole time they were here. So it's hard to, you know, if you're an NFL scout coach, you can see these guys, you know, were good, but then you keep seeing how many points the defense gives up. And well, I was going to say, but that's the thing, though. Like the defense turned themselves around well, this year after well, being bad since they had been there, but they had yeah, one. That's the thing, like you turned around one second, year. Well, I mean, but what I'm saying, like they had the second best pass rush they did. in the in, in, yeah. in NCAA last year. Well, I'm saying so you, the thing is, to me, I think it's the exact opposite. I, I think that. Because now everybody's able to get a, give an apples-to-apples apples comparison, you want to see if those numbers are real. Because the Louisville defense has been so bad, okay, we see this balloon this year, but is it real? Well, my thing you is – You know what I mean? Like, well, it, it, Can we trust those numbers? Well, and that's, and that's what I'm saying because the defense had been so bad. Like Guys like that need to combine. Yeah, absolutely. Like They definitely needed to combine to show what they can do because NFL scouts looking at – you know. The, the, the careers here at UofL was like, but dude, you guys like horrible for like three years. And then, yeah, you got this one season when you turn around, but it's not smoking mirrors. How good are you guys really? Right. So for guys like that, you really, really need the NFL Combine, and, you're, and, and they're showing out. Another guy who really needs the NFL Combine, Malik Cunningham, because he has to prove he can spin the ball. Everybody knows he can run. And everybody's going to be really impressed with this 40 times. Oh, they cannot wait to see Malik Cunningham run this 40. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, like, like people know he can run. That's never the question. The question is, can you spin the ball? And then once they start interviewing him, why haven't you been able to consistently spin the ball? You know, because when these guys go to these interviews, you know, like they're going to be given all sorts of scenarios. We're giving a chalkboard. It's going to be like, okay, here's the defense. What offense do you run? And where are your first reads? You know, things of that nature. So you're going to get that test. Of course, got the Wonderlick test, so I think it's useless. But, you know, whatever. You got the Wonderlick test. But more importantly, it's about the interviews, by you know, showing diagrams and breaking, out, you know, breaking down plays on a chalkboard. And then can you spin it? I'm also, I'm also excited to see what Will Levis is going to do. Because Will Levis is still predicted to be, like, one of the top quarterbacks taken in the draft. And I want to see just how well he spins it. Because to me, it's not about how fast he is. I think, you know, guys will be more impressed with how big is he really and can he spin it. Conversely, how small is uh, Alabama's quarterback? Because he was walking in next to offensive lineman. He was like a little guy. I mean, he was like, like me walking next to you. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, so how big is he? Really 200 pounds? Like, are you right. a real 200 pounds? I mean, that, that, that apples to apples. Because pro days, that's the whole thing, is that with pro days – because um, yes, they they do have your um your, your uh like your senior bowls and your Polynesian bowls and you have all these where some of these guys get together. But the value of having everybody in Indianapolis having the NFL testers and having that is you get an apples to apples comparison 
of all these guys that you want to check out. You get to com- compare. Now, they don't like the fact that some of the, you know, top ten guys are like, well, you know, I don't really need to do this. I'm not going to throw. I'm not going to do that. So that maybe rubs some people the wrong way. So they're like, why are you going to do this if the best players aren't going to come and, and do it? But I think for guys like Yasir, um, like Yaya, um, like you said, it's invaluable. Same thing with, with Malik Cunningham because this is the only time because we always hear about the power of the SEC. We talk, we hear about how great the SEC is. But for guys at you know in conferences like the ACC at a, at a non-traditional power like Louisville, these guys get um, a lot of flack because of where they played. So their only opportunity to kind of um, – even the, the playing field is when we can all throw on this NFL jersey. We don't have team logos. We don't have team colors. And now we're just lining up head for, head to head and, you know, man on man. Now let's see who's the best. So now when you can get those apples to apples comparisons in, you know, 40-yard uh, dash, uh, broad jump, high jump, you know, and you find guys with comparative numbers, okay, it's almost like that blind test. Now let's go see who these guys played for and let's pull up the tape and see what they look like and see if these numbers lie. Because they're, they're, trust me, the Oakland Raiders found a way to find, find guys that numbers lied all the time because yes, they, they, they get those workout warriors. Almost every wide receiver <laughs> that never did anything. It's like you can't. Draft guys based purely on numbers because the Raiders try that year in and year out. No, the tape matters. And that's why I said with Yasir and and Yaya, this year, those guys were literally unblockable by everybody. It didn't matter whether it was Florida State. It didn't matter whether it was the best competition or the worst competition. Those guys, you know, Clemson, it didn't matter. Nobody could block those guys. But, you know, the NFL scouts want to say, do their numbers match that production? Or are they just feasting on bad competition? And this is where you have that great equalizer. So I agree with you. Um, now, we do have a, a texter texting into the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. And I know we're up against the top of the hour, but I want to get your thoughts on this before we head uh, to hour number two, Haven. Uh, texter says, I'm about to say something controversial, but I disagree with Haven about the uh, NFL combine. It is worthless. He says, Colin Kaepernick is right. It's like a slave auction. The owners see these brothers as a piece of meat. He said, uh, you know, uh, that's that's his opinion on that. Now, what do you say that? Because David Ajobo, who was a young man that was at the Combine last year, we remember the, the, the site because the young man was running one of the drills, blows his Achilles. He was a kid that was going to be a top 12, top 15 pick. Okay, uh, out of Michigan, blows his Achilles. We see all of the NFL, um, you know, guys, testers or whatever, walking around the dude as he's writhing in pain on the field. Okay, with his Achilles, nobody's coming to help him up. Nobody's even paying attention to him. They look like they don't even care. Um, as this is happening, of course, the Baltimore Ravens went on to select the Jabo in the second round of the draft last year. Uh, got a huge value by drafting him there when he was going to be a top 12, top 15 type guy. But what do you think about the, those thoughts that they kind of just line those guys up, at, you know, like a piece of meat, like the texture said? No, because they do. I mean, I mean, they obviously do. But once again, this is professional sports. Agreed. And I, I can see where you can make the, the, the slave market analogy because I've seen it. I, I've read it. 
And you know, to a lot of extent, I, I I kind of agree with it, right? Yeah. But at, at the end of the day, all the pro sports leagues do the same thing. Uh, colleges do it as well. I mean, it's not just it's not just professional right. sports. I mean, colleges do that. it. Well, what do you think AAU is? <laughs> yeah, colleges do it, and, and, and like little leagues do it. And we always look at people's measurables, like these and passing leagues. These, I mean, U.S. Army All Americans, the yeah. guys that aren't seniors, the guys that are sophomores or juniors, get invited to the U.S. Army Combine. Yeah, you know, and there's things like you know, if you're in basketball, everybody talks about how long and tall they are, and they do the same thing. You know, they they weed you out based on your physical your physical uh, uh, measurables. I mean, but I mean, at the end of the and day, that's, like and that's said, every sport. That's what you have to do, though, right? It's because uh, there's no other way to really get an apples to apples comparison to these guys, especially in a sport like football, when you have so many kids playing in so many different uh, parts of the country, playing so many different positions. A lot of them playing out of position, especially at the high school level. But not only that, it's it, it, it's just very well, difficult. The thing is, like, like even the college level, there's so many different styles of football. Well, it's the same thing, exactly. Yeah. In, in comparison to styles of basketball, like there's only so many offenses and defenses you, you can run in basketball. I mean, it just it is what it is. Yeah. Like basketball gets more complicated as you go from you know high school to college and college in the in NBA, but it's, it doesn't get as complicated as football gets as you transition up. Um, so yeah, so I, my, I get those, you know, comparisons, but I also get it that, you know, yeah, this is something that, do you have to do it? Could you just use film? Yeah, you could just use film, but if you just use film, a lot of guys like Abshir Dula, Yaya Diaba, and others, Calvin Johnson, another guy who, who, who oh, been yeah. completely overlooked. Yeah, Calvin Johnson would have been a third or fourth round pick. If that. Yeah. I mean, literally, if that, Megatron probably be like a sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah. Because at Georgia Tech, he caught, he caught like, what, like eight balls? Yeah. So, yeah. So, for guys like that, no, this is a complete difference. Like, this is the difference between some guys making a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year and tens of millions of dollars a year. Very well said. Very well said. You are listening to Wake Up 502. That was Haven Harrington. I'm Rashawn Myers, taking care of your big X Sports Radio, 96.1 and 1450. And we'll be back in the second hour of the Big X. Welcome back, hour number two, Big X Sports Radio. Wake up 502 with Rashad Myers. Haven Aaron to take care of your Big X Sports Radio. Let's go crazy, y'all. 
Like, you know, it's it's, 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 it's all right to, to, to party a little bit. Like I said, man, this is this is a happy, happy funeral. We're in New Orleans. We dancing. Hey, look, look, we're doing that topic. No, no. We have never done with this topic. Let me tell you something. Oh, no, let's go. Let's go crazy. Yeah. It's over. Almost. It's over. Almost. <laughs> hey, we don't understand, man. Like, for me, I am a passionate, passionate. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Louisville fan. I know you fan. watching this Louisville season. <laughs> so, is, no, I'm, 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 for all those who are listening, for, for Rashawn watching this season, I mean, very few of us has the pleasure of watching Rashawn watch Louisville basketball when nobody's around. You hear him screaming, yelling, getting angry, visibly upset, about to throw things, about to hulk out, and everything else when things don't go right. <laughs> watching this Louisville basketball season is like the Kano finishing move. We just reach into the uh, – uh, yeah, finish him. Sub zero chest and rips out his heart. This has been the hardest season for That's me. That's what that has been in my life. Finish him and Kendall's <laughs> reaching to your chest and pulled out your heart. Like while while other people have have decided that you know what I'm not going to pay attention. I'm either going to turn the game off. I'm not going to watch it. I'm gonna go do something else. I'm just going to have it on in the background. I don't do that. I literally sit and watch every minute of every game every time. You know why? Because Louisville basketball. Outside of my family is the first love of my life. I've grown up on it. I'm passionate about it. So, like, understand that, like, I'm not one of those people that just does things for clicks. I'm not one of those people that just says something because I want to be popular. So, like, I've heard some people say that you just say controversial because you just want to be popular. You want to be known for something. No. <laughs> like, understand, this is my passion. So, <laughs> Yes, it is an all-day party today, Haven. But you know what? We are going to get back to it. I had a, I, the, well, one of the reasons that I especially am interested about this this next guy we have on the line, we have a caller. We got Jay Haz on the line. Jay, how you doing this morning? Doing fine, sir. Good morning. How you doing, sir? You doing all right this morning? Doing fine, sir. Doing I'm, fine. I'm having a party, Jay. It's, it's, the end of, it's the end of the season. We finally made it. Man, you could have had another song besides that. <laughs> I wish you could read my heart and read my mind, but you can't read it right now. Oh, God. If you play Let's Go Crazy, I'm like, man, you know, you, know, you just got to read me. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid to read yeah. you, Jay. I, I, I don't know. That might be a little scary. You're going to get a tipple. <laughs> so what you got for me this morning? Man, I'm just trying to hear about this 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 Lamar Jackson thing. It's really it's really it's really um getting on my nerves. I mean, I, I know the man's not going to bend. Um, I was hearing about a conversation yesterday talking about going to the Washington Redskins, going to Atlanta, and, and they're going to talk about this 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 Baltimore Ravens and uh, head coach about he's my quarterback, he's my blah blah blah. Listen, man. Between A and Z, pay this man, man, what it's worth. All the other logistics stuff, what you guys are talking about, I'm talking about the Baltimore Ravens organization. Forget that. Go on, pay the man, man. He is your franchise quarterback. Jay, he hey, hey, Jay, let me tell you something. The New York Giants are about to pay Daniel Jones $40 million a year. 
If Daniel Jones is about to get 40, I don't even know if the Baltimore Ravens want to give Lamar Jackson $40 million a year. They don't. <laughs> They're trying they to be don't. They don't. They really don't, man. And, and, and it's sad, Haven and Rashad. It's really sad. It's probably one of the best athletes out there in the NFL history, man. Lamar Jackson has done unbelievable things. Uh, MVP, we go on and on of his, his success, but. I just didn't like that franchise anyway because it was a cheap franchise. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. It, it's, it's very interesting because um, the Baltimore Ravens, check this out, fellas. <clears throat> the Baltimore Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson in 2018, okay? Um, uh-huh. and, and in 2018, of course, we all know the, the, the story, and, and Lamar takes over midseason, a you know, Baltimore Ravens team that was not in the playoffs. Lamar, you know, takes them to the playoffs. Um, of course, they come back in 2019. Lamar Jackson wins MVP. Here's, uh-huh. a fact, here's a stat for you. Since 2019, in the NFL, you know what team has spent the least amount of money on offense? In the NFL. Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens. So the funniest thing in the world to me is the Baltimore Ravens found money in Lamar Jackson in 2018, had an MVP season the following year, and since then the Baltimore Ravens have spent less money on offense than any other team in the NFL. They are 32nd out of 32 teams in terms of uh-huh. spending offensively. So when they found that they had a generational talent, they had a special difference-making talent, that prompted them to spend as little as possible and run him into the ground. Right. Yeah, which, was, which was on the other side of the fence. When they would pay him on that defense, and he would get the $40 million a year. Oh, yeah. oh, they just made Roquan Smith the highest-paid yeah. linebacker in the history of the NFL without an that's agent. Right. Without an that's agent. Right. <laughs> exactly. And that's a shame. Hey, that's well, what, what, do you, what, what do you think about that? You know, I, I've been tempted on what to say because there's this meme on the Internet where this guy has a chart, right, your, your typical line chart. And, at the very, and on the, the X-axis – which is the one that goes up and down. It has yes. F around. And then on the Y axis, <laughs> find out, right? It seems like the Ravens are just trying to F around and find out because, granted, if they can get a deal done, they're going to uh, franchise tag them. And there's two different levels of franchise tagging. You can just like yes. do, you do a regular franchise tag, which means they'll get $30 million a year. Or you can do the exclusive franchise tag, which can get them like 40, I think like $40 million. Yes. And, you know, everything keeps coming out. Like, Stephen A. Smith came out a couple weeks ago and was like, well, Lamar never wanted a guaranteed contract. He just wanted to make X amount of money because he wanted to be in the top tier, top tier paid quarterbacks. Right. And the Ravens just keep on, you know, just throwing Lamar underneath the bus. Like, no, no, he wants to guarantee this. He wants to guarantee that. The players have come out in support of Lamar. It's like, no, this is all about the administration's fault. This is all the administration. This is all the Ravens not trying to pay him. I mean, at this point, if I'm Lamar, like, people think like Lamar doesn't have options. Oh, he has options. Well, he has options. a lot of options. If he sits, if he sits his butt down, regardless of whether he signs that franchise tag or not, he can sit out. And I would definitely sit out. I would tell him right now. I would sit out. Yeah, deuces. Like we said it before last season started that if Lamar Jackson does not get a long term deal, 
He's not going to play another snap as a Raven. I wouldn't have played this season. I know you said that. Yeah, I would have played that. I'd be like, whatever. Yeah, I, no, I'm, I, I'm sitting down. I agree with you. Yeah, because I agree with you. the other teams, I'm a once-in-a-generation talent. We refuse to put any talent around me. Even Bateman was like, dude, like. It's just crazy. Like, when I saw that number, that, that number came out last week that literally the Ravens had spent has spent less on offense, which basically just tells me that they saw Lamar Jackson and they saw his, him as an opportunity. Let's just go ahead and break his body, making him carry this team, and we can just spend all our money on defense and be cheap as possible. That's, like, that's what RG. That's what the uh, Washington Redskins. That was did the Redskins. With, uh, did with RG3. Yeah, did, did with RG three literally ran him into the ground, and they haven't been good since. They didn't invest mm-hmm. in the offensive line. They didn't invest in the wide receiver core. Uh, they went out there and got cheap, uh, you know, run blocking linemen because those are the cheaper guys. The pass blockers are way more expensive. And they just tried to go out and get as many running backs as possible. And let's just basically run the new version of the option. You know, because that's the cheapest offense you can run and let Lamar Jackson just try to carry a team. And what's going to happen is and there's a ton of NFL teams waiting for the Ravens to be cheap and fail. Absolutely. I oh, really don't believe the Raiders, but, you know, we'll see. I agree. I agree. But, 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 hey, but, hey, man, I'll tell you this, man. You uh, missed a terrific party, man. You know what? I know this is a sports show, but, man, it was a one. You know what? First of all, I heard your party was beyond tremendous. It was amazing. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, I was in the greatness it is, Indianapolis, Indiana. Watch my little girl go out well, there and, and, and play soccer. Of course, they lost all three games by a tremendous amount, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's but still fun. Did. Yeah. Watch her go out there and have fun with her friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bob, i do it again. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Got to support the kids. But, Jay, I appreciate the call this morning. Man, always, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll get back with you. Jay has calling in, checking in this morning. Uh, you know, I always love it. But, you know, I appreciate him sparking that conversation, Haven, because, I mean, it is that that is one of the interesting stats that I saw this week. And I was like, because they said since 2019, and I was like, when was Lamar drafted? He was drafted the year before. So they already knew they had a generational talent on their hands because of just how he finished the first year. Like, so usually when teams see that, they rush to put guys around them very similar to the way they did Jalen Hurts with Philly. Like, once they saw this, like, wow, we might actually have something, Jalen Hurts. Let's go ahead, you know, get Devontae Smith. Let's go ahead, trade for A.J. Brown. Let's get as much around this kid as possible and see if we can do something special. And the Ravens literally did the opposite of that and just was like, wow, look at this dude. We don't have to – we really don't have to spend anything on offense now. (laughs) Look, he's making these crappy running backs look like superstars. Look at Gus Edwards. We drafted Gus Edwards in the sixth round. Yay. This dude's averaging like seven yards a carry. We don't have to do anything. <laughs> it's like, oh, Baltimore. Like, I, 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 Haven, I hate to say this, but I'm going to be honest with you. I am almost reaching the point, especially with all the ev- evidence that's been laid in front of me, And I hate to say this, I almost hope Lamar never plays another snap for the Ravens. Because the Ravens, to me, and I said this. Ravens don't deserve a man. I said said it like this. Lamar Jackson has done much more for Baltimore than Baltimore has ever done for him. They don't show that they appreciate him. 
They said the highest or the largest amount of guaranteed money that they offered Lamar Jackson last offseason was $110 million. Knowing what Kyler Murray got, knowing what Deshaun Watson got, knowing what uh, you know uh, 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 Patrick Mahomes got, knowing what these top guys have gotten, knowing what uh, Josh Allen got, they offered him $110 million guaranteed. If that's not a slap to the – that's not about his mama being his agent. That's not about him not going about things a traditional way. That is an outright, absolute slap to the face of Lamar Jackson and everything that he's done for that organization. When I heard that number, like that that number came out about eight, ten games into last season. The report came out that that was their offer. And at that point, regardless of how much I've enjoyed his time in Baltimore, I hope he never plays another snap for Baltimore. And I, and I, that's been a thought in the back of my head that I've really hated because I think Lamar loves the city. I think the city loves him. I've loved the, the synergy between he and that group. But I don't think they deserve him. They don't. I mean, I, on one hand, I understand what the Ravens are doing, right? The Ravens are trying to keep to their quote-unquote identity, which has always been good enough offense – and world-beating defense. And that's how we win championships. And that's how they won their two Super Bowls was super great offense and just enough – I mean, super great defense and just enough offense. I mean, I, I get it. But, you know, when you're gifted with once-in-generation talent that you got with the last pick of the first round and you can see what this man can do, I mean, how could you not surround him enough talent to go ahead and, and take on – you know, the other juggernauts in AFC. I mean, one of the reasons you, you have a hard time beating Kansas City and Buffaloes is they all have super top-notch, like, go-to wide receivers around their superstar quarterback. Yeah. You have yet to do that. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, and, 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 and it the, shows. Bills, the Bills get Josh Allen. What do they do? They go out and they get Stephon Diggs, you know? Patrick Mahomes, they couldn't find enough wide receivers to put around him. You know, we, we talked about, uh, you know, the little midget out in Arizona, all the wide receivers they tried to put around him. <laughs> he ain't even done nothing yet. They done went and got him DeAndre Hopkins. They, they went and traded for Hollywood Brown. Uh, they brought over um, another guy as well. I mean, they tried to find as many wide receivers for him as possible. Yeah, and, you know, and, and the Ravens, I guess you could say, they went out, they fired Greg Romans, and they – Got a, a new offensive coordinator who's going to, you know, uh, modernize their passing attack, which is great. But you got to have somebody. It's in that, posturing, in my opinion. But you have to have somebody you can. But you have to have somebody you can throw to. But you, you're too that, late. Modern, like yeah. it's, it's like you're too late. You, you're too late. You're trying to appease somebody without actually doing anything. You know what I mean? It's like the dude that says he's going to change his ways and brings flowers and candy, but that, that fundamentally doesn't change anything about what he's doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's all posturing, bro. You, you're too late. And you're still not acting right. You're still not like, they keep talking about haggling about this contract and the sides aren't close. If your sides aren't close with a guy who's already gotten an MVP, more wins than anybody before the age of 25. I mean, like, at, at this point, they've shown you that they don't want you. 
They've told you in every way possible that they don't value you. And what did Lamar say at the end of the last year after the Ravens lost in the playoff? You take care of, you know, you get taken care of when you take care of what you value. And that is a direct shot that they did not value him. If nope. you want to, if you value me, show me you value me, value you, me, and I'll take care of you. But why am I going to rush back from an injury and put my career in danger when you've literally done nothing but put obstacles, barriers, and basically just leave me out there to hang and dry? It's your lack of building on that offensive line that's gotten me hurt both years that I got injured. It's because you want to go out here and get all these fat, slow run blockers that can't pass block for crap, and you get me hurt twice, and you want me to rush back off of that for you. You know what I mean? Like, that's literally the situation. You do nothing for me, but you want me to come back and break my body for you. And you want to try to vilify me, turn my own fans against me. Try to put all this crap out in the media about me. He's not really that hurt. Ah, it was a grade one. It was almost a grade three strain. But what did the Ravens say? Grade one, two to three weeks, he'll be back. Three to six weeks tops. It was a lie. Why am I going to fight back for an organization like that? Yeah, I wouldn't. All right, but, but once again, I said I, I wouldn't play this season. So I, that's me. I've been like, whatever, buddies. I agree. I mean, it just it, it it is very it's a very tough situation for everybody. But you know, you know it's one of those at the end of the at the end of the day, it should have never gotten here. It's a business. Yeah, it's a business, and I have to look out for my own interest first because this is, the NFL is every man for himself. Literally, it always has been every man for himself. There's no guaranteed contracts. You can cut me anytime. Only money I'm guaranteed is my signing bonus. So. Yeah, best in believe. Honestly, it's all about the owners and not at all about the players, truthfully. Oh, it is. Unless so. you are that strong jawline quarterback that just, you know, has that it factor. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that you can move on to your television career and just continue to be held above in great esteem like Tony Romo. You know what? Okay, time out. <laughs> Tell me about Tony Romo, okay? First of Just all. Just has that it factor. First of all, Tony Romo is one of the best <laughs> NFL commentators there is. Number one. He's a much better commentator than he was he's, a quarterback. He's pretty good, yes. He's a way better commentator than was a quarterback. I, I, like how, I like how like he dissects like, all these plays. Like, these guys going to do this next and blah, 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 blah. He's not, he was not as good this past year. With My that. question was, like, where was all that when you, when you were playing? <laughs> right. Now, <laughs> now you know everything, Tony. Yeah. What happened when you was out there? Now you're Nostradamus. <laughs> you come in a playoff game, you bum. Yeah. When you see, you see how they lined up and this guy moved up and this guy, that means they're going to go this way with it. Watch him. Wow, Tony, that was perfect. Why the hell you didn't do that when you were out there? <laughs> you sound like Peyton Manning. Playboy like Davis Manning. No. <laughs> uh, I believe you know what? And, and, I knew that would get you. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I guess another topic for another no. day would be which which Manning brother is actually the best. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Let's say let's let's say we got a we got about a month before we can have that conversation. We gonna we we'll we'll, we'll have we're that about conversation. KD now. Yeah, we're we, we hey after, after the, the break, break after the break. Um, and I do have one more rap on. I know Jay kind of took us in the Baltimore Ravens Lamar category, but I do want to ask you, and we'll just tease this, and then you can give me your answer after the break. Um, Malik Cunningham, I do want to know your thoughts. He had a great Senior Bowl. He would have won the Senior Bowl MVP had he not thrown that interception at the very end uh, through the pick six and kind of derailed his uh, great game he had. He had an amazing game. So he had got a lot of buzz from that. He's about to go to the combine. He's probably going to kill all the physical um, tests. Um, he's probably going to look pretty good in the throwing uh, portion of it as well. Kid does have an arm. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on where, where you think he can go. So just think about that. Um, and then when we come back, uh, we will get your thoughts on that. And then I want to get into this KD conversation a little bit. So uh, you are listening to Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, Big X Sports Radio, 96.1 and 1450, The Big X. And we'll be back. that we need haven can you feel it can you feel bill i feel it <laughs> you know what i'm saying you can't help but smile when you hear that music you know what i'm saying it's just the sun shines a little bit brighter the birds chirp a little bit louder everything is just right with the world isn't it zippity-doo-dah <laughs> my oh my what a wonderful mr day. bluebird sitting on my shoulder <laughs> there you go. Uh, welcome back. Hey, now, before the break, I, I, I did ask you, so I, I hope you've had time to think about it, pontificate on it. Uh, you know, I, I want to know because th- th- I feel like the most interesting, I have seen Malik Cunningham in projections all over this NFL draft, anywhere from as high as third round to undrafted. <laughs> like this dude, it's so interesting to me. Because of where the NFL is right now. The NFL is in this transitional space to where the value, there's been much more 
emphasis and value put on the athleticism of quarterbacks and much less on the size of quarterbacks. Case in point, Bryce Young is probably going to measure in as probably the smallest quarterback to ever be taken in the first round in terms of his physical size. Like, I don't think he's going to come in at 200 pounds. He's that little. Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't look that big at all. He looks like he's about one eighty. Yeah, he's gonna. He's gonna probably measure in at somewhere in the neighborhood of one ninety to one ninety nine. <laughs> he's gonna and like. There's never been a quarterback sub two hundred pounds to ever be drafted in the first round. Okay, so Bryce Young is like resetting the standard for the you know the size of the position. So when you look at that and you look at a guy like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, who's not a hulking guy either. Um, Heck, they took Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray was short. You know, he was stocky. You know, he was probably went. You know, Kyler goes about two two twenty five. He's almost a bit like a running back. Yeah, um, but you know, the, the size of the position is no longer a big deal in terms of their height. So Malik Cunningham was probably going to measure in at some, probably somewhere five ten, five ten and a half, something like that, five eleven maybe, um, six foot. <laughs> Maybe by a miracle, <laughs> but you know, like so, the the size isn't the thing. The athleticism is going to be elite. Um, but we've all, you know, we've seen him, and this is the thing: is that Louisville fans, all you know, because you're so close to it, and you see every throw, you see every <laughs> decision, every issue, you know. So we know all the issues from Malik Cunningham. But for you, what do you think the NFL guys are going to look at, especially with how well he played the senior bowl? You know, there's guys that have raised an eyebrow. Like, what do you see him as in terms of this NFL draft? I mean, if I was a GM and I was I was looking at Malik's film, the one the couple of things that would stand out to me is one, can he make all the throws? Especially difficult throws like the deep outs and things of that nature. Does does have enough arm talent to make those throws? And if not, do I have an offense set up? Do I I can minimize those deficiencies? But more importantly, can this dude consistently go through his reads as a quarterback? And that second one would be probably my biggest question. Like can can he consistently go through all his reads? Because of Louisville, we consistently saw him make one or two reads, and then take off and run. And a lot of times he would just get locked in on one receiver, and that would be his main and only option. And then he would take off and run. And in NFL, that's cool. You can kind of do that. And we've seen guys do that and kind of get away with it. But you've got to be able to make those reads, and you've got to have the arm talent to make some of those throws. And does he have that? So that's why, to me, like him, like the 40 time, I, I don't think is going to be in dispute, right? I, I think he'll run a great 40. I'm, I am actually also very interested. Like, I think but he can, can run he spin four, it. I think he can run 4-3. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. I, like, like, I, I think he can hit 4-3. But my thing is, like, like his athleticism is nowhere in doubt. What's yeah. in doubt is can you spin it? That's what's in doubt. I like, mean, but his arm, he's got a cannon. I mean, but can you? But yeah, you may have a cannon, but are you accurate with that cannon? I mean, but you know, the NFL, I mean, Jeff they, George, they, they, they love their dudes. That can, I mean, Jeff George had a cannon, yeah, and he couldn't, but he was horribly inaccurate with that. cannon. I mean, and, and the interesting thing about Malik is that there are some games where Malik looked like a first round pick in terms of his throwing ability. Like you know, like you, you pick that that Duke game from last year. Like he looked, he could do everything. He threw for three hundred yards, ran for two hundred yards. Looked amazing. <laughs> looked like the best. You know, looked like he could rival Lamar Jackson, literally. <laughs> like, but then there's other games where it's just like, 
what is this dude doing? And, yeah. and that's where it's so interesting. And, and that's, that's that's where the Senior Bowl comes in. That's what gives guys pause. He killed it at the Senior Bowl. He killed it at the Senior Bowl. He killed until, it in the game. Until you got to that pick six. And threw the pick six at the and end of the game. And guys were like, what are you looking at? That's why, I, <laughs> that's why I said, and this is what I've said. And I've said this for probably more than two years because there have been people that have just been adamant. Oh, Malik. Cunningham will never be an NFL quarterback. We've heard he, the only way he plays in the NFL is if he plays another position. And I've never held that position. I fully think that Malik Cunningham can play in the NFL. And the reason why I say this, and I've always said this, if Tyrod Taylor could be drafted in the NFL, and you look at the success he's had, Tyrod Taylor, I don't know how many people really remember who Tyrod Taylor was as a quarterback coming out of Virginia Tech. Malik Cunningham was much better at Louisville than Tyrod Taylor was at Virginia Tech. He was another guy who couldn't get through but one or two reads. The only thing that Tyrod Taylor had going for him was that he was such a highly rated guy even come out of high school. No, I, I don't disagree with you. But, I mean, when I look at his numbers and I look at what he was, he was not a great passer at Virginia Tech. He didn't put up nearly the numbers that Malik Cunningham did at Louisville as, as what Taylor put up at Virginia Tech. In my personal opinion, I think Malik is more explosive a runner than Taylor was at Virginia Tech. I just feel like Malik Cunningham was a better player. Now, he's not as big as Tyrod. Tyrod goes about 6'2 and about 230 pounds. Um, so he's a lot bigger guy. Uh, but in terms of his athleticism, his speed, and his p- passing ability, I think Malik's better at all. Now, both of them had the same issue with the lack of b- ability to, to read, you know, get multiple reads. Now, Tyrod has worked on his game, and he's gotten much better at that, and he's much more um, he's efficient. He's a polished quarterback. He's much more efficient. He worked on his game. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, Tyrod did a lot of work to get where he was, and the fact that he's still a guy who's at least a partial part-time starter in the NFL – um, but that's the guy who always gave me hope to like Malik has a shot. And no. this is what I've always said. Like Louisville fans to me never really valued him because they always looked at uh, Malik Cunningham through the prism of Lamar Jackson. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he's not Lamar. He's not as good as Lamar. He can't do the things as consistently or as great as Lamar can. And all those things are fair. Lamar Jackson could possibly be the greatest quarterback, college quarterback in the history of college football. Period. Okay, so that's an unfair comparison to try to put him in the Lamar bucket. You know what I mean? Like, but I mean, I'm gonna say this: like Malik, is, I think we undervalue Malik. I mean, Malik is a, is a is a good quarterback. The only thing that I said, the only thing that trips Malik up is one: can he go through his progressions? Two: can he be consistent? Mm-hmm. And those are things that Malik has horribly struggled with. Yeah. Throughout his career, can he be consistent? I mean, like even in games he's good in, he still has spots where he just you just kind of wonder, like, dude, like. But th- but think about who his who, who his guys have been who have tutored him. A Bobby Petrino that had checked out and basically was done coaching. And Scott Satterfield. So, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I'm just saying. No, like, true, true. So, but like I said, so. So you give, you give him NFL coaching. You give him uh, NFL training. You give him a, a, you know, I no longer have to worry about doing spots for Planet Fitness. <laughs> it's all about getting now, ready for the NFL. I will NFL. say this. He will get drafted. My guess would be probably around the fourth round. Okay. Probably around the third or fourth round he'll get drafted. Yeah, and that's what I see as well. Um, I, I think he'll be one of those guys that, especially as you get to the end of the second day, 
is you start to get those supplementary picks in the third round. You know how they have those kind of extra supplemental picks at the end? I could see Malik come off the board there and people be shocked that he gets drafted in the, at the end of the third round. I could see that. Fourth round, definitely. I, I think we're both in, a, in agreement. Yeah, I think he gets somewhere drafted around there, and then and when, he's on a when, when he gets to league, he'll be like Lamar. He have to bulk up because Lamar, like, yeah, has <laughs> bulked up yeah. since he's been in the league, and Malik is definitely gonna have to bulk up and gain a lot more weight. Yeah, and you no, know, he's gonna have to become a master at, you know, at, at becoming more consistent and making those reads because in a, and he got made reads so much faster in the NFL, so it's just yes. gonna be. It's gonna be a lot of it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be a lot of tutoring. It's gonna be, but it, I, I I definitely think that the NFL is gonna look at this kid, especially with the tape that he put on and the and the show he put on all week. I mean, he did it all week during like he was the standout quarterback all week in the drills with the quarterbacks. He was a standout in the game. He was the best quarterback in the game um, at the Senior Bowl, and I think that he's gonna be a standout today. The NFL Combine was made made for a dude like Malik. I think Malik's gonna look really good in a controlled environment, you know, and, and I, I think that's why he's going to um, solidify that spot. I know that the NFL guys are going to be taking a look at him. That's why I think it's interesting because this is one of the first NFL combines I can remember where literally everybody's throwing and everybody's doing all the tests. He's going to get to compare himself to Bryce Young. He's going to get to compare himself to C.J. Stroud. He's going to get to compare himself to Will Levis if Will Levis is healthy. Is he is he going to is he going to do the Testing, you know? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, have to, I, have I haven't heard much about Will Levis. Like since the end of the year, except for Mel Kiefer, who keeps telling everybody that Will Levis is the next coming. <laughs> I've heard like I don't know. Is Mel Kiefer getting some kind of kickback from Will Levis and, and company? I mean, like I don't know what's up with that. That love like, affair. Listen, like, like I know you don't <laughs> like Will Levis. I just don't. You have to have stats. Actually, honestly, I think Will Levis is actually a. a for for some teams who want like a your standard pro style People quarterback, people keep talking about this dude is a top ten pick though. Hey, I, I can see it though. I don't think he. Goes I mean, he has the arm 10. talent. He's I don't tall. He has a square jaw. But he the, can run. The I production mean, though. You like, know, but don't you have to win? He had no. He had a horrible season this year. He had a horrible season this year. But he had a pretty good season last year when he had a better offensive line because this year the offensive line was horrible. That's true. And That's last true. one had a pretty good offensive line. He actually put up some really decent numbers. He was okay. He was yeah. okay. What great, but he was okay. But like, is he top ten pick? Okay. You know what? A lot of guys look at him like Josh Allen. You know, he can make all the throws. We can coach him up. Draft and hope you got Josh Allen end up with Josh Rosen. <laughs> oh God, that dude. That's that dude. Hey, you know what? I hated on Josh Allen, and I will say it to this day. I was wrong. I was wrong. And too. I'm hating on Will Levis. There's no chance in bloody, bloody blue blazing hell that that dude is going to be any good. <laughs> I'm sorry. He is going the Josh Rosen route. Like, who, hold on. Who's the guy from, from USC that the Jets drafted? Uh, uh, Ryan Leaf. Not Ryan Leaf. Uh, it wasn't that, that, was, that was by the Chargers. Yeah, but he was, he, could be was a, like... he could be another one. But um, I can't remember the kid's name. He played one year at USC. He had been sitting behind – uh, whoever the starter was for for the last several years, and he came and he got drafted, and he was just terrible. <laughs> they draft that dude like number three overall. 
Like, he's going to be one of those dudes. I just, like, anytime it's like McShay and and, and uh, Mel Kiefer, like, trust us, guys. I know nobody else says this dude's any good, but the guy, his talent just jumps off the page. Like, <laughs> okay, all right. So we'll see. Like, I'm I'm trusting C.J. Stroud. When they were asking, you know, when they're saying, like, Will Levis is going to be the first-round pick or the number one pick overall over Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, like, I'm sorry. Like, numbers have to stand for something. Production against the best teams has to stand for something. And watching Will Levis just go out there and throw ducks half the time. And he was literally hurt and could not run all year. Like, that would worry me more than anything, a dude that's supposed to be this great athlete, and he literally could not run all year. That just – we'll see. We'll see. But I tell you what, Haven, I, you know, I, I, we, we, I cannot wait to see what happens with Malik. I hope everybody's watching NFL Scouting Combine and watching that stuff. I'd be very sad to see it go away. But there, there is serious talk about the NFL Combine going away. Um and that does make me sad because I do think that you need this. I, you know, I, I just still think pro days, people say pro days and tape is enough. And now all that sounds like is the NFL is trying to find a way to save money. <laughs> and, you know, the NFL, they don't want to spend any money on anything. You know, but, they, the, but NFL Combine, at least for the NFL Network, is like huge. Yeah, because, oh, I agree. Because NFL puts on the best show. Well, the NFL is all about creating more content. Like, so the thought of taking content away is just it's odd crazy. For me. Yeah, it's just crazy because, I mean, like, I mean, this is, I mean, like, if you look at all the professional combines, this is the only one people actually watch because, I mean, let's be honest, NBA combine is a joke. It happens in somebody's high school gym. It's horrible. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, maybe it's just the negative press that they got off the David Ajobo stuff from last year because they did look like it kind of was a meat market. Like, there was nobody reacting to the kid coming to help him out. They looked like they didn't give a crap at all. You know, like, that was a bad look for the NFL last year. And I don't know if that has something to do with it, saying, man, you know what? Maybe we don't need to do this, and that way we can just put it all on the schools. And we don't have to look like the bad guys. Like, because, you know, the NFL is very, very protective of their image and, and, and optics. Like, that's the only thing that I can think of because that's about the only negative press I've seen about the NFL Combine in, like, ever <laughs> for the most oh, part. Yeah, I, I, would, I would definitely agree. And, you know, like I said, for professional sports, NFL's king. I mean, they, the NFL does everything better in every other league except – for the All-Star game. The NBA by far, by far has the best All-Star game. It's not even close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least All-Star weekend. Now, the game, some people have well, gotten weekend. Okay, really, we'll, we'll really annoyed with the uh, – Yeah. I, I would say the, <laughs> the All-Star weekend, NBA does it better than anybody else. Yes. By far. Yes. NFL was – actually, NFL may be like the worst one. Yeah, I, the Pro I, Bowl I, was terrible. It's horrible. I, I think Major League Baseball now has it's like a much the Pro better. Bowl flag football game. Yeah, it's – yeah. Yeah, I, I would go NBA, Major League Baseball, then NFL when it comes like the All Star, Pro Bowl type, you know, type type deal. Yeah, no, it, it, it's you know uh, they actually sent uh, the kid, the backup quarterback for the Ravens. I can't think of his name. Huntley Hatfield. That they sent Tyler Huntley to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> did you know that? Yeah, I actually. <laughs> did. Like they, I was like the the NFL has announced the. That Tyler Huntley is a replacement of the Pro Bowl quarterback. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, at that point, you've lost all credibility. <laughs> yeah, you're not even trying now. Like, 
Tyler Hunt. It's almost as bad as NBA teams signing dudes like to a fourteen day contract <laughs> to have anybody compete in a dunk contest. Yeah. Don't talk about Mac McClung like that. I'm just saying. My son is very upset because when I said that about Mac McClung, he was because you know at Mac McClung is one of those internet dunker dudes. That's one of Mark Bacon's like favorite players. <laughs> yeah. And for those guys, for those guys who don't know Mark, he's he's main event DC. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, McClung is a is a hero in 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 those you know in those areas. But McClung, come on, man, this dude has not been able to stick and play anywhere. They tried it with the Warriors. They tried it with the Lakers. They've tried it all over the place. Like the Philadelphia Sixers picking him up on a ten day just so he can wear their jersey in the dunk contest. You know, I, I just and speaking of NBA. I, I want to get into it, and, and I was going to get into this conversation, but I feel like our argument that is uh, sure to ensue needs more than five minutes, which is the only reason. And I want to get into this Kevin Durant stuff because it's so funny that the same bitching and whining that was done when KD decided to go to the Warriors is the same bitching and whining that is going on now with KD getting traded to the Suns. KD did not decide to go to the Suns. KD did not make the choice. The Nets traded him and got a dang good deal out of it, by the way. Like, the deal that they put together is amazing. Like, the deal that they got, like, I just watched the Brooklyn Nets go on the road and beat the number one seed in the East last night. With my, Mikael Bridges and the rest of those guys, uh, you know, like, they got a great deal out of it. So, so, the, so, so the question is this. Is this KD's finally, would this be his first chance to possibly win an NBA title as the face of a franchise? Oh, there's there's absolutely an opportunity because let me tell you something, Haven. The only people get mad about a trade that gets done, especially when the dude did not, um, you know, uh, didn't choose to go there. This isn't this isn't the decision that he made with the Warriors. The Nets did what was best for them. Everybody's just mad because now. Katie's in an actual situation where he can succeed. He's with a team that actually have guys that will come in and actually play. <laughs> Who but, actually but, but, helped but, but once again, though, would this solidify in your mind? Do you think this would solidify KD's, uh, I don't want to say reputation, his, uh, what's, what, what's what I'm looking for? People are afraid because now KD has the actual opportunity to be successful. And they could sit there, and you know who it is when I say people? It's the LeBron people. Oh, the people okay. that, out, that love out. LeBron. No, time out. First of all, first of all. It's the LeBron people. First of all, Katie's legacy in the NBA would be nowhere near. I never said that. But let me tell you something. LeBron people are very protective of LeBron. So anytime Kevin Durant has an opportunity to inch closer to LeBron in any sort of category, the haters come out of the woodwork. Well, first of to all. To whine and complain. First of all, there's no way in the world Katie's ever going to inch close to anything LeBron has ever done. I mean, like I said, one. Once again, this is why I did it's, not want to get impossible. into this conversation. It, it is impossible. Th- this is you know what? Ask Giannis. Giannis is, will tell you. This is why I, I didn't want to get into this conversation <laughs> because the one thing I'll say about Kevin Durant is at least every championship he's won, he's been the best player on the team. But he's never been the man. He's still been the best player he's never on the team. LeBron has he's barely, never been the man. LeBron has barely he's been, never the man. He's been the man. How many championships has LeBron been the man on that team? Two. Two. What? What's that? The, no. No. 
No. One. Cleveland. Their one championship. Because he was never the man in Miami. You know who was the man in Miami? Dwayne Wade. Wade. You know who was the man on that L.A. team that won the championship? Anthony Davis. No, but that was LeBron's team. Was it, though? Yeah, it was. It was LeBron. LeBron's the face of that organization. See, that's the difference. See, that's where LeBron hate so, comes out. So, LeBron, no, tell you, LeBron has been the see, great. LeBron but, has been but, the best player in the NBA since he graduated but, high school. But, but, but follow my, but follow my, but follow the, the strings. This is why I said. This is why the haters come out because you're absolutely right. Steph was the face of the Warriors. If KD wins with the Suns, KD is the face of the Suns. Okay, so LeBron has literally, like you said. Fine, I'll, I'll give you your. I'll give it to you. He has two championships where he was the face of an organization. Correct. Any championships that Kevin Durant wins as part of the Suns, he is the face of that organization. But there's also there's also a, another level that KD would never aspire to. He, he can never hit. I don't know. No, no, it's no. I don't know. He's, young, like, he's younger, and you got plenty of time. He's younger. He's also more injury injury prone already than LeBron I mean, was we'll, at the same but time. Like his I said, career. but we'll see. Le, but but Kay, the, the, But the, and more importantly, the, LeBron was the face. Of the NBA for a decade. I, I, I'm not disagreeing the with anything you're saying. The whole league was on see, his back. You got to understand that LeBron stands protect him with all the energy that they possibly can. Even Giannis is like, dude, why don't you come talk to me after in the offseason and I'll teach you how to be the man. And, and and it's all baloney and garbage. No, Giannis is completely right. I'd be like, shut up. I got more finals MVPs than you do. And Giannis be like, but I've done it but as the man. But you know what I love about KD. You know what I love about KD? His hairline. He does not give a damn what anybody thinks. Oh, yeah, he does. And he does not. Oh, he does give a damn. He, if he didn't give a damn, that he, guy would not have like five burner accounts he, on Twitter. He does not respond. <laughs> yes, he does. He has like five burner accounts on Twitter. I what are you talking about? I don't know nothing about? about none of that. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Of and course, he responds. This is why I this was guy not going like, to get into this, this conversation. Guy's like six, this guy has like six So, so what phones. I'm going to do is say, hey, Van Harrington, I appreciate you. <laughs> This is a conversation we will save for another day. <laughs> we are playing out. Thank you for everybody listening. I appreciate you guys. 96.1, Big Exports Radio. Hey, and we out, y'all.